You're listening to the podcast for grain merchandisers by grain merchandisers. Join us in our good humored attempt to serve as a voice of reason in an industry fraught with misconceptions and half truths. And now, from deep in America's heartland, this is the Elevator's Cut. Welcome back to another episode of the Elevator's Cut. I am one of your hosts. Jason Wheeler. And I'm the other guy who hosts this thing, Roger Gaddis. What's up, Jason? What's up, Roger? Man. We're, we're back from Florida. It's it we were Florida in January. It's now February, but you know, you could imagine. There's <clears throat> so much time. forever green in this one again. <laughs> so we were in Florida for Master Management Conference, which is our unofficial. It's officially our unofficial kickoff to meeting season. That's right. Lots of grain folks in one big room. Lots of fun times in the evenings. Lots of neat things talked about. Yeah. Swag was swapped. It was great. Yes. It was a fun time. Yeah, if you, if you haven't been, you're not familiar. Roger and I work for White Commercial. We don't like to talk about it too much, but, you know, hey. We do. And master management's the big shindig that we put on. And it's just 200 grain trading folks across the country and also North America, which is we call Canada. And <clears throat> anyways, we we uh, we just talk about merchandising and all the challenges and struggles that come along with that. But it's not like charts and no, graphs yeah, i don't and think there's any stuff. charts this year well we tried to throw a couple of charts up there at the end for some fun and nobody got our jokes That's, but which is completely <laughs> in line with expectations yeah, it may as well have been this podcast Jason had a great one it was like here's the things that are going like gangbusters and he had a chart and one bar graph said costs and one said gangbusters <laughs> and they went they were both very high they went to the top they were the strengthening <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And we laughed at one another on stage and no one else did. So it's typical. And my my thing is Roger always goes to these things and dresses too nice. And it really upsets me. And uh you had this sleek so, socks on, man. So my so this year I'm like, I've got to be on stage with him. And at one point we had to interview a guy from the like a big deal guy from the CME group. He's been a friend of the show. Fred Simon. Uh, Fred Simon. He's he, uh, you know, he develops futures contracts. It's He's insane. Incredible. And really good dude. But <clears throat> but I'm thinking I'm going to be on stage with Roger, who who knows what sort of tuxedo he'll be donning. <laughs> and then CME guy, he'll be dressed <laughs> to the hilt. If that's, I don't know. That's another Do graph I hilts? can make. That's another graph <laughs> I should make. But anyways, <laughs> I don't know what a hilt is. I don't know what a gangbuster is. I don't know any of it. Uh, but Anyway, I'm like, I'm going to be on stage with these guys. I'm going to be the only one up there and, you know, looking like a redneck in my <laughs> relaxed fit khakis or <laughs> and boots or whatever. <laughs> so I'll say, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. So, so instead this time, Roger and I were the only people in the room with, with a jacket on. on. <laughs> no, this is great. Ugh, this is great. Now we could get to, you know, V-neck versus crew neck, but we don't have to go there today. But mm-hmm. okay, that's the bears debate. <laughs> Debating bears, <laughs> bulls and bears. <laughs> but no, we had a good time. And I, just to to clarify for first time listeners, if you just tuned in, we said 
grain trading folks. By no means should you imagine that person with eight monitors on their desk trading grain futures and options and strangle straddle condors and things like that. We're talking about grain merchandise, actual physical grain traders. People who you could say know the markets. <laughs> they know the markets because they own an elevator. They know that's, the cash market. That's right. <laughs> they know how long the line is down the down the other side of town. But they know where to probe the trucks. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, you know, we got to catch up with a lot of old friends some folks that we haven't seen in a while or folks that's kind of gone out of the grain biz and gotten back into it now and, you know, rehashing old stories. And it was, it's just, it's like a family reunion, but without, you know, all the, you know, family baggage. Some famous people from Twitter were there. Yeah, absolutely. Good friends. Uh, listeners to the fo- podcast, at least, uh, you know, listen to a quarter of one episode You've at heard one of point it. in time. Yeah. We, we asked a lot of people early on to give lots of stars on this thing before they listen to it. It's kind of like, when I go to do meetings and do the thumbs up thing, Jason loves this is like that. Before there's a podcast, give us five stars. Yeah. You change your mind later. And then they never listen to it. So we get the five star. There were meme shirts. Duncan Ferguson, man. He's, He's great. Incredible. That we stole on a Twitter thread uh, from, uh, <laughs> from Ann Fox. And uh, it was the, uh, is this priced in with the dinosaurs looking at the so asteroid? Good. That's really and my Duncan made it, made a couple of shirts and brought them to us, and and uh, we had to post it on there. But that's solid. And speaking of that, yes, tell me more. I What's hear. The next thing? I hear that the elevators cut is going to have its first ever T-shirt giveaway. You bet we are with these meat with a one of these memes on it. We're working on it. We have high hopes. I mean, it hasn't happened yet. So I, I do sales too. So since it hasn't happened, I know there's a good chance it never will. But we're working <laughs> on it, you know. And yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make grain merchandising meme t-shirts with that also are the elevator that we cut. steal off of Twitter. Yes, yes. We're not making Stolen. these ourselves by any one hundred percent. If these are NFTs. We'd all go to to Bitcoin jail <laughs> with SBF. <laughs> but Tom Brady retired so he could help revitalize the company or something. I think is that what it? Anyway, I assumed he was broke now. <laughs> too come, broke to work. Yeah, he's the comeback king. You know. <laughs> so, anyways, we so we hope to make some of those uh, up pretty soon, and maybe get some in your in your mailbox. One day, send us money in our mailbox. <laughs> if you're one of if you're one of the six to ten people who listen to this, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was good. It, it was good to see everybody, and and it just kind of you know, as Phil likes to say, recharges the batteries for everyone getting going into the next season. You know, and um, as you might imagine, there was some you know topics on everyone's mind, regardless of what market they trade or what geography they they dwell in, and. You know, the big one, obviously, was interest rates going up and the costs of doing everything at the elevator and, uh, you know, all, all that goes into that. That was, a, that was a pretty universal thing that was discussed. But on the, at the same time, it was pretty apparent that most folks, again, across the country that had grain to handle this year anyway, did pretty well on it. It was a good year overall for grain biz. Yeah. Well, and it has been so far. Like 
when this happens, you know, at, you got to think about the time, point in time of the year we are. I mean, at the beginning of harvest, everybody, there's huge margins, blah, blah, blah. Everything's going. So the stuff that's gone so far has, should have been at pretty good margins. Mm -hmm. But what about the rest of the year, right? If we're, if you still have, um, I know a big topic was getting rid of their length. I know Mike Weedle talked about that a while. And anyway, can't be carrying length this time of year. That's what it was. Anyways, <laughs> but no, honestly, look at the look at the spreads in the market the rest of the year. We got inverses and everything. So I think finally, as an industry, like why commercial, we've always been like, do it the spread sake. Won't fight them. Just don't just tax back in logistics. Keep it just, simple. You're not going to outguess things. Why put that stress on yourself, right? Just take take it where you're supposed to and get on with it. And yep. Yeah. So finally, the third straight year of inverses now, people are I'm like, you know what? <laughs> These last few years haven't gone so great. So maybe we will do this. So that, that's what we've seen. And and it, it's all good. Everybody's trying to go as much as they can, but logistically, there's still people carrying grain that they own. And so I going back to what we're saying, the rest it seems like everything's going great. All our margins have been great, but the rest of the year, you might give it all back if you're not careful. Well, you know? and you know, and to that point, it's you know, it's super hard to stay short the basis in a flat inverted market. It's just almost impossible. And so, so why is that? Well, it's because it rallies and people sell in and you can't get mm -hmm. rid of some logistics and truckers and, well, truckers. Yeah. Blame them. No, but it's a logistic problem overall. But having, <clears throat> you know, the ability to get stuff moved earlier this year and sold and moved earlier, I think has helped with some of that. And I think, I, I don't have any, this is purely anecdotal just from our, you know, customer base. And so we can extrapolate that out to the industry at large to some degree. But more ownership has been sold and moved at this point in time than the last couple of years by now, Absolutely. by the first of February. I mean, there's been a lot of grain that most years would be still sitting in a bin. Is not if it's in a bin, it's in an end user bin, you know, right now. It's not mm -hmm. at the elevator. So I think yeah, commercially, the yeah. commercial ownership is like so on far, it may be the same, you know, but uh, it could be it could be more because farmers have a lot of money, you know, it, a lot of money, you know what I mean? FSA payments. No, uh, <laughs> farmers do. There's there's quite a bit of, I guess, less stress on the balance sheet at the farm. Cash flow wise, they're not having to sell. And that's when a lot of grain gets yeah. sold is for cash flow reasons. Well, you know, we've we've had our normal January surge for tax, whatever. And the rest is like, you know, I'm waiting yeah. to see what happens. And I'm not even saying that's a necessarily a bad strategy. If you got, no, if you got all your cost covers and you, you've made good money, you still have grain to sell. We're coming up on a season, uh, a summer with, you know, according to the yeah. USDA numbers are going to be as tight as it gets corn wise. And beans. Yeah, all and bets so, are off, especially in the, in the def markets that are normally deficit, let alone this year. So yeah. I saw all the, even though they grow so much, uh, Stuff down in Brazil, they were all, all the trucks were stuck in the mud. I saw that on Twitter today. So I guess that's over with. No more <laughs> harvest there ever. <laughs> I, I don't know, but it's, <clears throat> you know, now we're, now we're approaching, you know, sell for, you know, want to get the bins empty before planting season or, hey, it's duck season right now, but plant season's coming up. So in between there, I'd like to get stuff moved season. That's kind of where we're at, I think. 
Yeah. And I'd say more, this should always be the case this time of year, but more so this year with, with the current outlook is a really good and honest logistic plan for what you're going to do the rest of the year and for the coming year mm-hmm. um, to, to be, be planning ahead. We, we know we talk a lot on this podcast about the merchandising margins are best ones that get made are the ones at, at farthest away from the spot market. That's what this, once it gets to the spot market, there's not any margin left in it hardly so spot market mongrel there you go you got to get out of the spot market and to, to do so takes takes a good bit of planning and especially with the logistic challenges we've had this year and you know taking an extra month here or there whereas you know when corn um costa carries a penny and a half a month it's not that not as big a deal as now it's like four or five cents a month or whatever it yeah. is so a deal and you know there's places out there this is more in areas that, that have winter wheat and you know fall crops guys are looking at you know how how slow and, and and just burdensome logistics have been on the wheat side of things that there's a lot of folks kind of at this point anyway thinking look i'm either going to dedicate less space to wheat or not handle it or you know something to the effect just to make space for fall crops and, you know, spreads being what they are, they'll tell you what you should carry and whatnot. But there's also, the, you know, the idea of which market are you in and can you typically get a better return to bend space on wheat or, or corn beans, you know. But I have heard several, you know, from Georgia up to Pennsylvania, uh, even over to Missouri, just, you know, the idea of, and we've seen that just not too far south of KC on the Missouri side, the guys just choosing not to handle wheat, even though there's, there's ready markets for it. It's just logistically can't get it out in a way that makes sense to fully merchandise the fall crops in a way they want to. It's just, you know, it's kind of one of those things. So I think you see more of that now too going forward. Uh, it's not like steel's cheap and you can go put up a new bin real quick and do it. Interest is pretty high on those things, on everything. So it's kind of the idea of, you know, what can I get the most bang for my buck per bushel of bin space on right now, including logistics. And that, I think logistics may be, just as important, if not more so than, you know, margins to be had at this point. Completely agree. Yeah. And the ones who are out in front planning ahead, what it gives you a sense of urgency that maybe you don't realize. Um, like I've worked with guys before going through plans, just, just standard grain flows, not even talking about merchandising and basis, although we all know the situation is moving as soon as we can and all that. But <clears throat> just knowing how many bushels are still sitting in my bin and how many months I have to harvest, there's, I've got to get to moving some grain. You know, you, you think, well, I'll sell a million here, a million there, and I'll, I'll, you know, get, get it done or I'll wait till this happens. And really there's, yeah, well, I got to make sure I set up logistics. I got to make sure a lot of things are in place for, for several months too. It's always good to put a, put a goal of where you want to be like, I'd like to be practically empty by harvest. Maybe that's what you, well, can you, if you got storage and the guys are going to carry it through right. and what are you going to, eh, you know, there's, there's considerations there, but once you can set a goal out there, then that means there are decisions we have to make today or else that goal can't happen. And a lot of people are like, yeah, I, I want that goal to happen. Okay. Well, we should probably do that. Well, you know, we'll, 
We'll see what happens. Let's watch, let's watch this. Keep watch. an eye on the market. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that spread. We'll keep, you know. Call me when it gets close. <clears throat> yep. You're planning without making decisions is just winging it. That's what it is. So mm-hmm. you're absolutely right, though, being able to execute on stuff. And you're, we all know plans will change, but being able to minimize how much you have to change if, as whatever is controllable, I think, is ideal. Because, you know, we're going to be up on it coming up. And you think short crops again this year, shorter carryout. What's the summer months going to hold for us? Who knows? Goofy stuff happens. You know, you're going to kind of want some cash flow anyway, probably. <laughs> When yeah. margin calls start hitting again, when you start buying, because it's going to happen, you're going to you're going to buy stuff ahead, and there's going to be rallies again to some degree, and you know that's that's all going to. You'd rather have thought about it ahead of time than just wake up and be like, oh crap, yeah, we got to move this stuff. Who wants it? Yeah, it's one thing to uh, to pay margin calls on inventory. It's a whole other thing to pay margin calls on forward contracts. It literally, is because some people won't lend you money on. Right. And, it, and usually it's at least it, it's at some reduced rate, even if it's like 95 sure. percent or 90 percent, it's still something reduced. So more of your working capital will be required uh, to fund those in theory, you know, borrowing bases and whatnot being what they are. So um, <clears throat> numbers <laughs> speak for themselves. <laughs> yeah. Spreadsheets and all that stuff. It's it's a good but. Seriously, uh, and the reason I'm kind of on this charge lately on the the planning thing is I, we talked about how it works merchandising wise, but just in general, running a business, whatever business you have, it is so important, and not just like a season, which is a season is very important, what we talked about, but also a five year plan or ten year plan, and you guys keep that kind of real conceptual and out there and you know it's a mission statement and generally we want to do this but having some good concrete goals for out there or steel steel and concrete goals for, hey, for out there you get it and uh is is good but it requires execute if you have those goals measurable goals out there that that you decide like that accomplishes our goal for this business. This is the measurable goal that accomplishes this plan or goal we mission statement we have for this business. Here's a here's a way we can measure it. And we need to be at this point five years from now, one right. year from now, one month from now. But it the big thing is those longer goals. And what what I've seen in the last year, and it breaks my heart because um is is co-ops, small. You know, local co-ops that have not merged out into the giant co-op with HQ three and a half hours away or whatever. I'm talking about local co-ops still run by local boards and everything that are over a hundred years old, and their unwillingness to make decisions uh, about things in the now so that they can accomplish that stuff. I mean, it's it's a disaster. These are strong co-ops, strong yeah. balance sheets, made money for years, have really good people in place, but the board doesn't want, well, let's see what happens, you know? Right. Which let's is, wait till next which year. Which is we'll, a cop-out. We'll just keep going. Let's not spend that money right now to, you know, upgrade stuff or, or to fix things because it's working right now. See if we can make it another year. Well, maybe you can, but eventually it's not going to work and the whole bin falls down and, hopefully everybody's safe, but you know, 
but even so losing that space you have to be gaining space right. in and, this environment and it's not even physical stuff there it's 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 personnel it's skills Everything. it's Everything. all that stuff you're right and it's you know it's easy enough for one person being decisive but when you get seven or nine or eleven or whatever you know it's it just compounds the thing but you know that's not an excuse that's that's just an observation there's plenty of boards out there that do make decisions and understand how to do that Correct. but you know, unfortunately, like you said, not not everyone's like that. And it's just a, it's a victim of circumstance. It's a victim of indecisiveness. Yes. And that's it. It's it. There's nothing wrong with the, the right. business. It's just indecisiveness can pile on you and you think you're avoiding, avoiding making a decision. I guess you are, but I, you're also making just, a decision by not making a decision. Yeah. Deciding to the fate of the company and before you know it, it's past the point of no return. And it's, it's frustrating because I know from the outside looking in or even from the folks in the, you know, farming or in general, the grain business or close to it, see like, man, all these things keep merging out and that's the way of things and everything. And a lot of times it's just be there was no need for it to happen. People think, well, this, it just has to happen this way. Well, it doesn't right, have to, right. it just is because we got these people that are just seat fillers on boards that don't want to do anything. I hate to, to be that way. I, you, know, you know, me, I always get in trouble with, uh, saying things <laughs> on this stupid show, <laughs> but you know, flip over to another show. <laughs> if you want Keep turning that dial, <laughs> but uh, anyway, it, it's, it uh, happens. It's a it's, thing. It's it breaks well my because heart. it's and not Mr. White always said co-ops are like dogs, you know. You just they all they do is break your heart. You know they're gonna do it, but you just you you keep signing up for it anyways because you love them, but they're gonna break your heart. So that's where I'm at today. A little, little melancholy start to the <laughs> well, lucky for you, there's another little Debbie oatmeal cream pie in there that needs oh, got your name on it. That'll perk you up. So, yeah, and this is another problem we've had. All these friggin' Pringles. No, don't mention them. People keep sending us. gone. We have half a can left. So, yeah, we just... But Roger goes to Sam's Club and loads us up with oatmeal cream pies or whatever else. And, you know, I've always been... Hey, new year, new you. I've always been a proponent of... First of all, little Debbie's are wonderful gifts from heaven. Of course. And (laughs) one, they should have sampler packs. Little Debbie should make sampler packs. We just make our own. You buy five boxes, same size of all the things, and just mix them together. Yeah. Take the divider out. I'm, I'm very passionate about the, yeah, the sampler packs we need for Little Debbie's, but they're still not there yet. And, you know, one day we'll get them there. Maybe but, it's someone <laughs> high up in Little Debbie's organization is hearing this. and like, you know, these guys get it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you guys keep sending us these uh, sampler packs of <laughs> Pringles. So find us a sampler's pack of Little Debbie's. You might have to make it at home. <laughs> the right. Little Debbie's at home? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean. Put some saran wrap on this thing. <laughs> you get it. But <clears throat> anyways, sorry. I didn't mean to distract us from the episode. That was a URB and an obstacles to success right now on this podcast. <laughs> Look, man, you know me. I'm aspirational. That's it. You can be aspirational or you can be. Is that like perspirational? You know, it means I aspire for uh, better things in this world. And, you know, people think, well, we got little Debbie's. What better could you ask? I get it. But you could mix them all together into one box of sampler. 
Aspire Grain. There's a there's a name someone needs to adopt for that. I don't company. know. Is that Latin? Aspire. It's got to be Latin. I think. Possibly. Yeah. Well, the next co-op that merges out, you guys, listen up. <laughs> I don't know what else came up at the conference we could talk about that maybe people be interested in. Well, I think you know the the theme this year was you know what does success look like you know the green business. And so, uh, coworker Dwayne Wilson, he uh, he had done some uh, polling of uh, customers, you know, the week ahead of the conference, and it was pretty interesting because he had he posited a few questions. One of them was, you know, uh, what does it was, it was actually that question? What does success look like? About fifty nine percent of the people responded said they had a general understanding of what success looks like for their company, and then about twenty two percent had a clearly defined definition of success. Which I thought was inter- not surprising, yeah. but it's you know interesting to see that that ratio. And then you know the follow up question was, well, how are we doing towards that end? Seventy two percent answered, doing good could be better. Seventeen percent said so so. So again, it's just this theme of this big success idea floating around out there. You don't really know what it means, but hey, we're doing better than last year probably. So let's keep mm-hmm. heading that way. Uh, but it was very, very uh, interesting when we got down to the employee level and asking the employees, you, you know, do you know how you contribute to the success of this company? And again, 63% said they generally kind of commonly know what their contribution is. Only 20% had been communicated to or acknowledged by their leadership what exactly that, you know, how they contribute. So there's a lot of room for improvement on that. And I think everybody knows this implicitly at a, at a, at a grain business or maybe any business in general, but just communicating those things. And it's, a, it's kind of the things we think are obvious sometimes as, as you know, the manager, merchant, GM, whatever, but they're not. You know, we see the people that are successful at this are the ones who are explicit and obvious and, you know, say things that you don't necessarily think need to be said, but it, it does. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's obvious for a reason, you know type thing. Uh, do you know definition of success for your job? 60% had a general understanding, 25% said it was clearly defined. So it just kind of, that was the theme of, of the idea and, you know, where you can improve upon things. Everybody's like, well, we got this mission statement or we got these goals, but how do you improve upon it? Well, probably the first way is to communicate it to everybody that's involved as specifically as you can, you know, outside guys, office work, you know, whatever it is. And again, it's just, I think it, time is a valuable commodity and a lot of people don't set aside the time to do those things. And that's what it comes down to. There's nothing devious or un- unknown about it. It's just making the time to get it done. It's an intangible. It's hard to see, you know, direct results from that versus, you know, telling the guy to go repair something or deliver this load or, you know, whatever it is. Right. You've got to make time for those things too. How else are you going to, you know, improve upon something? Like yeah. you said, if you don't, how to measure it. Yeah. And every personality is, is different, but but most people are helped by understanding and having a why. Why am I doing this? Why does this matter? Why does this help? And if they know how it fits in the overall, it's it's good to know the big overall picture and and idea. And like you said, communicate it clearly is a is another great step. But then the application of that, um, you know, some people let it, some, sometimes it's obvious enough. You can let people, they're adults that connect the dots of why this is important to make that happen. I'm not, I'm not for like treating people like five-year-olds necessarily or anything like that. No, I think you don't have to be condescending. Yeah, sure. Yeah. 
but I think I think the ones who are doing well and doing it doing it better and are are winning because in the end it's all a competition, right? Who's your work? Who's your biggest competition? Look in the mirror, my friend. Yeah, probably you. But um, <laughs> but anyways, the that's the deal. And, you know, I I apologize for my. Um, being all negative because you know me I'm aspirational and I'm always positive I don't know that you know what that word means look I love saying it and <laughs> you know if I keep it's one of those things you keep saying it out saying it over and over eventually maybe you know you get it we'll get there <laughs> one day Do you? and and I aspire to be aspirational. <laughs> well, there you go. There we That's go. a good thing Are to aspire to see and just in doing that I'm already aspirational. So but but I was, you know, kind of hard on on co-op boards and, you know, I apologize. I, I don't think every co-op board looks like that, but I, I deal. I, I see a lot of I see you the do. whole you deal with a bunch. I see the whole gamut of them. And there's a ton of good ones um, that are doing it well. And and, you know, it's I, I don't blame that we, we talk about these big co-ops are swallowing everybody up. You know, they're the ones that know how to friggin, you know, manage a, a company better than or maybe they just have the right this is part of it, but having the right employees, that's, that's a big thing. You got a good team. And so we work with a lot of great ones uh, like that, that do it really well, but it's just frustrating because sometimes you you do get through uh, some that are just really complacent. And I've heard though, that the manager, a lot of times the manager outlook at that is like, what do I do? You kind of throw your hands up, like, what can I do? But there are things a manager can do. I'm told I've never done it. But Roger, you were a manager of a co-op. You just you, you can't run people off the co-op board or something over time. Eventually, you can say, I wasn't you know there what? long enough to find out. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> but you know, I'm told that you know over time, it's like you know you, you get people who are eligible to be a board member that would be good, and you try to say, well, why don't you get on here? Maybe you could take old uh, Jehoshaphat's place over there. You know what I mean? He's been jumping too much. <laughs> they, uh, what is it? I think what you're getting at is that the, the, the manager gets the board he deserves. Is that right? Is that was the point yeah. you're getting at? Yeah. It's an old axiom in the co-op world. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a, you know, getting back to that idea of, of communicating and communicating things well. We've seen folks that, you know, it's just something as simple as having a monthly meeting with everyone, you know, operations and, you know, you might be a big organization with a, ton of employees you might be like four of you there you know whatever it is still having that, that communication that time of communication and we were just told a story of a, of a elevator owner and you know he started this up this past year or so to you know make an intentional effort to communicate things and you know he said this is boosted morale people have a sense of you know contribution now but one of the big things was that his operations guy had uh you know been you know trying to get some stuff done uh, not behind the back of the manager, but like just didn't want him to be let down thinking, you know, something's not going right out here like it should. But, you know, he obviously needed to know to fix it. And, you know, these meetings got to brought that out. And, you know, literally, I was like, you're not to blame for this. You know, this we just need to address and go on. You know, you you know, so this employee had, you know, big ownership on the stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, this explicit chance to communicate, that might not have ever came out, you know, so. Yeah. You never know what's going to come out of it, but good things generally happen when people get together, especially people that are on the same team. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you said ownership of the task. And so that was one of our, we had a, a keynote speaker from uh, Jocko 
Willinks. Jocko's uh, uh, group. Echelon, Echelon front. front. Jamie, and she was awesome. And so uh, just talked about how every role in the company should take ownership of stuff. And, and it, it was a, a further uh, into that, you know, how does it, how does every role work into the company and, and uh, better ways to communicate? I thought it was really cool, like all the stuff on how you communicate uh, with, with employees and, and everything is say that, you know, making sure your communication is clear because that's so hard. Sometimes people, you say something you think was very clear, but they get a complete wrong idea from it. I do that. And yeah, I do that all the time. I'm sure we've all done it. So, so the deal is to, you know, have a, Hey, make sure I told that to you. Right. And say it with that attitude, not of make sure you didn't screw this up and get the wrong idea. Like say this back to me. So I made sure I, I communicated it well, because ultimately it's, it's on the yeah. person who is doing the communicating to make sure, right. Make sure it's, everything's it's no different so, than, you know, good. explaining accumulators to most producers and saying, hey, explain this back to me. How's this going to work? Exactly. Yeah. It's sort of like that. Yeah. But when you do it, don't say this is your test to make sure you're not an idiot and I will allow you to do this accumulator. This is, did I explain this to you well enough? <laughs> and then if they do say something, they can't say it back. What do you say? Like, Oh no, I'm apparently I did not pass the test to explain this to you. So That's you cannot you, do accumulators because I failed the test. And I can delegate it to you. <laughs> there you go. Then you detach. <laughs> Tell them to get out of your office. That's right. You need to. Why don't you get out of here, buddy? Uh, go, go have a works every time. Go have a honey bun. Chill out. Okay, <laughs> it's on the house. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, that was kind of a quick recap of of MMC, as as we call it, Master Management Conference. It's awesome. You should be a customer. And come to this thing every January. It's in Nashville in twenty four. And I hear San Diego the following. That's day. what I've heard too. So yes. hopefully enough people hear this to think that that's the truth. And we'll tell the powers that be that that's where it should be. There you go. Cancel your Pringle orders and order a little Debbie's. And t-shirts are coming uh, soon, hopefully. We don't know where they're going to or how they're <laughs> going to be dispersed. But t-shirt cannon was talked about. But We'll try them on first. CEC next this year, I think, <laughs> is in Kansas City. So maybe that'll work out. CEC, all I right. Think, I think. I don't know. Right. Have to web search it. Yeah. Our summer conference is in Peoria this year. Hot dog. We can shoot them out there, maybe. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we got for today. We'll catch y'all next time. Cool. As always, thanks for downloading and listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with folks you know in the business. And if you'd like to reach out anytime about anything at all or have any show ideas, you can always find us on Twitter at Elevators Cut. Follow us there, tweet at us, DM us, and we'll always respond. Till next time, for Roger, I'm Jason. For Jason, I'm Roger. Thanks for listening to The Elevators Cut. Oh.